0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. We want to continue looking at the Jesus life and what does it look like? What does it really mean in this season? And I want to encourage you with a few stats that seem, that are coming through at the moment about what is happening in our nation? What is God doing? in the nation at this time. Now, last Monday, I was in a a Zoom call with a number of national Christian leaders from different denominations and streams of churches for a couple of hours. And what we were looking at is uh, how, as the church in the UK, do we evangelize the nation between now and 2050? So over the next 30 years, what does it look like to evangelize the nation? Uh, Now, they're not so much the plans of men to do it, it's really asking the Holy Spirit, uh, how do we work together as the church to do this as a body across the nation? Now, a couple of stats just to really encourage you with, Uh, 24% of people in the UK at this moment, during the lockdown, have been connecting to a church on a Sunday or in some way during the week, okay? That's 24% of the population, a quarter of the people. There have been more than 2 million downloads of the Bible during lockdown uh, that have taken place. That is encouraging as well. People are wanting to download the Bible. They want to read the Bible. People have got questions and they want answers to their questions. There's all kinds of things going on in people's lives at the moment. And here's another one that uh, one of the guys on the call works for an organization that does surveys and uh, they look at trends and various other things. And one of the things he said, this is amazing, he said, they, they looked at some trends of evangelism and how many people have responded to the gospel in the first kind of three months of the year, January, February into the early part of March and how many people were responding. And they had graphs and all that kind of thing that, that they, they look at, the, the, whether it's going up or down or whatever. And then they've done some surveying during the lockdown of how much the gospel has been going out, how many people have been responding to the gospel, and this is what they came up with. And they, they said this is a conservative estimate. They said in the last two months, it's been the equivalent of 10 years worth of gospel going out and response that there's been to people giving their lives to Jesus and responding to what, when they've heard the gospel. So it's like an acceleration that in two months, God has done what would normally happen in 10 years. Now, I don't know about you, but that is exciting. I think that is amazing. It's like, God, you're doing something. Something is happening in our nation. There's many other stats from that that I could share during the lockdown. The, it's like God's on the move, God is working. Now, I just want to give you a few others. This, this survey was done in February. So this is before the lockdown. Now, if these stats are true, which they are, uh, what would it be like now? What's it going to be like coming out of the lockdown? So this survey was done of parents of children that, are, that have uh, under five. So parents that had kids of under five. It says here, of the population in the UK that have children under five years old are actively part of a church, 12%. Then in this survey, 62% of the people surveyed uh, said that they were on the fringe of a church, that they knew at least one Christian and had been invited to church in some way or other, 62% of those parents with kids under five, okay, would say they're on the fringe of a church. Now, 86% of that 62%, so most of the people that have said they're on the fringe or they know a Christian, they have regular contact with a church in two ways. They either go to a, a toddler's group with their kids or they go to a preschool run by a church. That's a huge number of people in our nation with kids under five that go to a church for a toddler's group or preschool and 73% said they went because they were invited by a friend or a parent. 55% of those people said that they have now personally exploring faith themselves. And 55% that the reason they went to a church is because they want to take their children to a church because they want their children to hear about the Christian faith because of its principles and morals that can help shape their children's lives. Don't you think that's amazing? 24% of people said they've started connected to a church because they found one online that ran a children's group in some way so they wanted to go. And then 35% of people surveyed said that they have not been invited to a church, but they would like to be invited because they want to somehow connect with a church. Well, when you hear all these stats, whether during the lockdown or what I've just communicated there, something is happening in this nation. Something's happening in the UK. People are open to the gospel. Now, something else that's been happening is many of you have probably heard the the blessing song that was released a couple of weeks or so before the lockdown without those guys realizing it was going to be lockdown. But there was a, a UK version done called the, the Blessing UK or the UK Blessing. That's been viewed by over 2.7 million people so far and even our Prime Minister Boris Johnson has heard it and actually given an award to all the guys that did it and said what an amazing thing to be sung over the nation at this time and how the church has come together across all its different denominations to actually sing something to bless the nation. How many of you know when somebody, when the Prime Minister begins to acknowledge some things, something's going on, something is happening. Well, you know, one of the things that's amazing how the original version that was done of the blessing was done about two weeks before the lockdown. The guys that wrote it and recorded it, they 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 had an afternoon on a Thursday worshiping together, songwriting together. And, and what they said, they literally, it was like a download that God gave them. And they knew for, for some reason or other, they had to record it and get it out by the end of that weekend, but they didn't know why. So they did it over that weekend and then literally the following week is when all the lockdowns started to happen. And the amazing thing is, that the whole thing is about God speaking, declaring and singing His blessing over the church, His blessing over the people, His blessing over nations, His blessing over generations. Don't you just love that? How God's heart, knowing all this stuff was about to happen, across the world, and the world not really knowing it was about to happen, but yet God released this song in a prophetic way to say, I am Lord, I'm in charge, no matter what goes on, I'm speaking blessing to you now, blessing to the nations, blessing over the generations. How many of you know that God always does the right thing at the right time? Now, in saying that, I believe that that there's a kairos moment that we're in right now. What does the word kairos mean? The word kairos means the right or critical or opportune moment that there is time for action. So I believe there's a kairos moment. Often when there's a kairos moment, there's a shift. Something happens in a kairos moment where there's a shift from one thing to the next thing. And something I shared a couple of weeks ago is that I believe that we're in a a change from one era to a new era and we use the example of Noah, Noah's time. One era came to the end when Noah was building the ark and when he came out the other side of the flood, a new era of days began. And I believe that we're at the end of one era of days and we're at the beginning of a new era of days with what God is doing. So we're in a Kairos moment. There's a right critical and opportune time right now and it's going to lead to a new era of Action. Let's just read Romans 13, verses 11 to 14. And and this is what it says. This is a Kairos moment scripture. It says now, Paul writing to the Romans, And do this, understanding the present time, that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, What is God doing? God has been awakening the church in a new and fresh way because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. There's something being released in the heart of God. There's something getting released from heaven right at this time. Verse 12, The night is nearly over, The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. There's some really important words in these verses. It says the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. There's a a new era beginning, okay, a new day. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. So there's deeds of darkness. There's stuff that has taken up time, taken our attention, taken hold of people's souls, if you like, that God has been working in and dealing with over these last few weeks. He's doing a cleansing, doing a purifying work. But then what does he say? And put on the armor of light. What an amazing way to describe the light of who God is. He says, put on the armor of light. Why is that? Because as we are a people of light and as we go forward in days that are dark, in days that might be troublesome, not just now, but in going forward, who knows? I mean, there's lots of things being said in different nations already in Europe about uh, economies and, uh, and, and the difficult in the struggle that there is going to be going forward. Even our own chancellor has said, you know, there are some challenging days ahead. And what does God say? He says, put on the armour of light. So when we put on God's light, that means we're armored up with his protection, with everything we're going to need. So that the things around us aren't going to affect us and overcome us, but we have an armor that defends that protects, but also enables us to advance and go forward. What does verse 13 say? He builds on this, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Well, you might think, wow, Clive, that's a pretty strong scripture. Uh, I don't think I'm into that kind of lifestyle. But what is God saying to the church? He's saying, hey guys, I want you to live clean. Don't give any room for anything that could get a hook in your soul, a hook in your life at this time. L- allow me to come and cleanse. Allow me to come and work and move. But what does he say in relation to that? Verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of The flesh. So, why are those few verses that we've just read so, so important? They're Kairos scriptures. What does that mean to be in a Kairos time? It means to understand the time, the moment, the hour, the day that we are in. And what is God saying? He's saying, guys, in this Kairos moment, align your life in every way with. Me Alignment is so important. Why? Because God's purposes are are so, so important in the way that He wants to outwork them. Everything's being shaken at this time and God is shaking the church. He's making sure that everything that is not of Him is shaken out of it, but He's shaking us so that we know how to stand in the days ahead. Now, isn't it amazing in this context, our last week, we looked at how Jesus began to preach and teach on on the Mount of... uh, Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, and the Beatitudes about God's blessing that he wants for people. And how, how the heart of what Jesus said was, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they receive mercy. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those. And and he just came out with different things. Blessed are those who, and then he gave a statement after it. Why? Why? Because when Jesus came, He came to declare the heart of the Father, which was the Father's heart, is that every person is blessed. Every person lives in the reality of a relationship with who God is. What does the word blessed mean? To be fulfilled, to be fully blissful and happy in Him, in God. This is what happens when we receive God's kingdom life. We become full of joy, peace, contentment, What did Jesus come to do? He came with the message that God wants to bless people and how to receive and live in that blessing. Jesus understood that He came in a kairos moment. Jesus came and changed paradigms about who God is, who people are in relation to God what God's kingdom is all about. He came and there was a change of era at that moment. A new dispensation was being released on the earth as He walked the earth. What does dispensation mean? God coming into or invading world affairs and reordering them with His divine purpose. That's what happened when Jesus walked the earth. There was a a divine reordering taking place through those three years where Jesus came with the kingdom to establish the kingdom. He went to the cross, went through everything on the cross, rose again, and then 40 days later ascended into heaven. 10 days after that released His Spirit so that the new era that came into being through Him being on earth was then continued in the power of the Spirit by those early believers as they were empowered by Him for the Great Commission to then go to the nations and I believe that now this new era of days, this new time that we're beginning right now that God is sending His Spirit and releasing His Spirit to re-empower the church for the Great Commission in a new and fresh way in this new era of days. Wow, it's exciting. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys sitting in your rooms, your homes at this moment. Maybe you spilt your coffee. Maybe you spilt your cereal over yourself because you've been going, oh man, yeah, come on, come on, come on. Don't mind a bit of spilt milk here or there. We'd rather say yes to God and respond to Him. So I believe God's saying, I'm just going to read some stuff to you for the next few moments. I believe God's saying this, I'm reawakening my church, to re-empower her for the real reason, focus and purpose of what she is here for and to do. I'm recommissioning the Great Commission. I'm pouring out my spirit at this time to fulfill this commission. Pentecost was not a feeling, it was an empowering. You already now have my spirit and therefore my power. So what does another Pentecost mean today? In the same way that I prepared the believers in the upper room to be ready, I'm preparing believers, my church, now to be ready. None of them knew what was coming and what their new life together would look like and the things that were going to happen. What my spirit enabled them to do, though, was to live the life I called them to and face the challenges, even persecution that came their way. All this they did with great joy and thanksgiving. So, for you, what does this mean now? Pentecost was a release of power to get the job done. This is what I'm releasing my spirit for now. But instead of it being consumed by a church that is being consumed by itself, I have actually been reawakening my church to re-empower it for the real reason, focus and purpose she is here for and to do. At the heart of that is going to be a restoration of the priesthood of the believer, the equipped saints doing the work of ministry. My lordship in the home, healthy homes produce a healthy church, homes that are houses of prayer, marriages that are healthy and strong families that love one another. This next release of my spirit will be through the saints. It will be a re-empowering of the saints. Everything that has been lent on or looked to, conferences, events, activities, programs have all gone by the wayside at this time. There has been much activity, time and money spent on these things. They have all had their time and place for a season. But now there is a shift, a big shift, and the church must shift with me in this change of era. Those who are listening and responding accordingly will be able to navigate the shift which is much more fundamental and significant than many realise. The face of Western Christianity will become unrecognisable compared to what it has been. Again, many won't recognise or realise this is what is happening. Church buildings will become mission stations, helping to meet both spiritual and practical needs on a large scale. Homes will become discipleship centres where people are saved, healed and taught how to live the Jesus life. The church will operate more like an underground church because it has gone back to the simple, foundational, disciple-making people it is supposed to be. It won't be cluttered with activity and busyness that occupy the saints with just church activity because the saints will be too occupied living the kingdom life, winning and making disciples." Wow! So what is the result of all this? Well, in Acts 2 verses 42 to 47, we see the result of this for the early church, but I believe we're going to see a result in a very, very similar way. How it's outworked is up to the Lord, but these verses give us an indication when the Holy Spirit is poured out and released, what happens to release the saints to do the work of ministry. Acts 2 40 42, the first verse it says, "'They devoted themselves.'" Because of what the Holy Spirit was doing, something happened in the hearts and the lives of people. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, to the word. What was the apostles' teaching? It was what Jesus taught them. Where did Jesus get everything he taught them? From the Father. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, I only speak the words my Father gives me to speak. So what were the early church devoted to? They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to the Father's Voice to the Word of God. What is the Word of God? The Word of God is truth. So the early church were devoted to being a people of the truth. They aligned their lives with the truth. What does that then mean? It means they were a people of faith, a people who believed what God said in the face of challenge, in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution. They were a people of truth and a people of faith. What was the second thing they were devoted to? It says they were devoted to the fellowship, not just to fellowship, but to the fellowship. What does fellowship mean? It means koinonia. It means the sharing of life through love. So there was this dynamic of love. The spirit of love was at work. So they were a people of truth and faith. That was being expressed through love in their lives. What was the third thing they were devoted to? They were devoted to breaking bread. They were devoted to communion. What is communion? Communion is not just remembering who Jesus was and what He did. Communion is living in the power of what Jesus accomplished. So when we break bread, when we take the cup, we're not just doing it saying, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done and I have a bit of bread. I thank you for what you've done I have a bit of juice. No, what we're doing by faith is saying, Jesus, You laid down your life. You gave your body. You shed your blood so that I could be forgiven. I could be set free. You rose from the dead, overcoming sin, death and hell so that I could be filled with you and your spirit, so that I could be filled with the life and power of who you are. So when we break bread, it's a power moment in our homes. It's a power moment whenever we break the bread because God's Power gets released to heal, to deliver, to set free. God's power is then enabled, he enables us to live in that power. And what's the fourth thing they were devoted to? Being a people of prayer. Why? Because they understood prayer is being totally dependent on, on the Father, totally dependent on Jesus, totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. And also they understand that in prayer, that's where there's intimacy with God. What does that mean? What does that mean they lived? That means they lived in authority. Because when we pray, God's authority submitted to Him is then released. So let's just sum that up. What does that mean the early church are devoted to Him? What happened as a result? It means there are people of truth and faith. That faith was expressed through love in the power of the Holy Spirit through God's authority. What was the result of all of that? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. Wow. There was a reverence. There was an awe amongst them of who God was the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, a fear of the Lord. Then what does it say? Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Well, it, it might have been an apostles at that moment, but what we then see is the church began to uh, grow and move forward. Then, then the saints began to get released in, in miraculous signs and wonders and power that were going out. What does verse 44 say? All believers were together and had everything in common. When it says all the believers were together, the word together there means all the believers were in one heart and mind. It doesn't just mean they were all together in a room in the same geographical place. It it means they were all together in one heart and one mind and and had everything in common. Then what does it say? It says, what does that mean? Verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave, to everyone who had need. What is this? This is the overflowing life of what the Holy Spirit was doing. I don't know about you guys, but these are the days that we're in the beginning of. What would it be like going forward if, uh, if the economy does r- crash? Whether here or in many nations. Now, we pray that our economy does not crash and we speak blessing over our nation. But the likelihood is there's going to be some challenging times ahead. And what would it be like for the church in challenging times to be thriving? Because our thriving is not dependent on natural circumstances. Our thriving is dependent on who God is. God is never in recession. God is never in need. God is a God of abundance. What would it look like for the church to be in abundance in lots of different ways and then the world say, the church then sorry says to the world, "Hey, what could, we want you to share in the abundance of what we have." Isn't that awesome? What would it look like for the church to be prophetic in that day as well? Maybe some of those days are ahead of us where where if we're sharing our lives like that and I know there's a lot of that that goes on already, especially in this time, people have been buying food for one another buying stuff for each other, helping out really, really practically. That's only gonna continue and increase more and more as the Holy Spirit works amongst us. And uh, let's continue, verse 46. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now, I know we can't do that at this moment, but maybe one of the marks going forward is, is the gathering of people, praying together, worshiping together in different ways. But then whatever, what else did they do? They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Breaking bread, communion. Why? Because they lived a Jesus-centered life. What does communion do? It gets us right back to the Jesus life. Jesus-centered. Praising God and enjoying the favor. So what's another outcome of what God's doing? Favor, favor, favor. His favor. Then another uh, uh, result of all this is the Lord added to their number daily those who are being Saved. What have we just described there? We've just described a people empowered by the Holy Spirit, living the Jesus life in the way that the Father wants them to do on earth so that He can be made known. What have we just described? We've just described a harvesting church, a harvesting people, a people with purpose, not just activity, and busyness, but people with a purpose. I just want to read a few other things because this links us into the Great Commission. When Jesus released His Holy Spirit, it was to fulfill the Great Commission. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, We're going to have a bit more of a flow to next Sunday. We believe God wants to release His Spirit in a fresh way. We're not just looking to next Sunday and say, is that the moment it's all going to happen? Because God is already working and moving. What I believe we should do in this next week, between now and next Sunday, is prepare our hearts, get ourselves ready to, for the Holy Spirit to come upon us in a fresh way, for a fresh activation in this Kairos moment and time. So the Great Commission, let's have a, a look at some of this. The Great Commission is not the Great Driven. We're not full of activity and busyness. The Great Commission is not the Great Driven, it's the Great Rest. It's God doing His work through His people. The Great Commission is not the great competition. We're not in competition with anybody else, other people or other churches. It's being the servant of all. The Great Commission is not the great omission. It's not like, let's just do Christianity, but we've forgotten about the commission and what Jesus actually said we're here to foresee happen. It is the great co-mission. The Holy Spirit coming upon us to enable us to be and to do everything God wants us to be. The Great Commission is not the great event. It's not the great conference or the great activity or the great program. No, the Great Commission is the great obedience. And the Great Commission is not the great social action. Although it has that in it, the Great Commission is not the great social action. The Great Commission is the great life transformation. What did Jesus say the Great Commission is? Because we've just said that the Great Commission is the great obedience. How do we know it's the great obedience? Because Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, he says, the Great Commission is operating in my authority. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, to Jesus. Therefore, church, Go and make disciples of all nations. And we know this scripture now, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Obey means show them the way, show them what I say, show them how to live in all of that. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. We saw the four things the early church had faith, love, power and authority. And, and this is what God is baptizing us in to go in his name. Let's just read a few more things that are have written. Jesus lives simply without clutter. God has been decluttering our lives. Guys, I hope you, you're really giving God some space. I appreciate some of you. Have been busy because you've been working from home, you might have kids at home. And I know some of you just we've chatted to, you know, on, on the phone or text or even some stories we, we've had back. Some of you has been like, man, it's pretty manic in our house, you know? But at the same time, whether your life's like that or whether you have had a lot more time, we need to really understand this moment and allow God to speak into our lives, to show us what is the clutter? What is the stuff that takes the time in a way that He doesn't want that time to be cluttered? So what does it say? Jesus simply lived without clutter. He made disciples. What does that mean? What does that look like? He hung out with them. He ate with them. He taught them. He laughed with them. He watched them at times to see how they interacted and related to one another. He loved them by the way he laid down his life and he example to them. He showed them how to relate to the Father. He showed them how to love people, how to love one another. He showed them how to deal with religious stuff around them. He showed them how to deal with opposition and people coming against you. Jesus exampled that. So the early church simply lived what Jesus lived. They didn't know anything else. They only lived what they saw Him living. Question is, are we prepared to strip out whatever is needed? The success of the church going forward will be in the hands and the lives of the saints. There are many anointed leaders and ministers, but the world is still lost and in chaos. So it's not about the few that so many look to, this, is, this next year is going to be about the saints who nobody knows about. This is the future. Of course, there's still going to be leadership. Of course, there's going to be fivefold ministry, training, and equipping. But the whole thing that God's going to be doing is releasing the body, the saints, the believers to fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus came to serve not to be served. So as leaders, the role of a leader is, is going to be to serve, to serve, to serve. It's not to be on a platform. It's not to be the person that everybody looks up to and says, oh, you know, the, the leaders have got to go lower because God wants to raise the people up and higher to fulfil His plans and purposes. And so as leaders, we want to serve you in whatever way we can to help encourage you, equip you, inspire you, release you. As we live the life ourselves and as we tell stories from our own lives, you tell stories from yours, together we're going to see God fulfil everything that He wants to do. The spirit that was in Jesus is the same spirit in every believer. That's why He ascended to heaven and sent His Spirit to anoint, to fill and release the people, the believers, the saints with the same life and power so that His kingdom would go to the ends of the earth in every generation. Do you know that in every generation, God wants that generation to take the gospel to its generation, to the ends of the earth, collectively across all the generations. We want to do that together. But Father, I thank You for a fresh release of Your Spirit on young people, a fresh release on the children, to take The gospel of your kingdom, to be anointed in a fresh way, Father, to take the gospel to their generation, whether it's their immediate mates in their generation, somewhere or other, we thank you that you anoint and release the next generation coming. We thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Matthew 9, verses 36 to 38. Let's just look at the heart of Jesus for a moment. What does he say? what does it say about Jesus? When he saw the crowds, when he saw the harvest, when he saw the multitudes, when he looked out and saw the people, he says, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The reason why he saw the crowds harassed and helpless is because he saw with compassion. He saw with the heart of the Father. So he didn't see the people as a problem or an inconvenience or a pain in the neck or as just, oh, there are a bunch of people that don't know me and don't want to know me. No, he saw with compassion, with love, and he said, wow. He saw they were harassed. He saw, and and then what was the response? Then he turned to his disciples, verse 37. He said, Hey guys, in with this heart of compassion and with this. Mind of their harassed and helped, he said, Hey guys, look at the harvest, look at them, it's plentiful, but the workers are few. Then he said, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Interesting, the word that is used there, the word used there is workers. Okay, uh, he didn't use the word. Uh, a few believers or uh, a few disciples or a few followers or a few churchgoers or a few people. That re- he said, no, but the workers are few. How many, of you, how many of you know that to bring in any harvest takes work? Jesus used the word workers. To bring in a harvest is going to take work. Many Christians sometimes think if we just pray enough that it's all just going to happen, God's just going to do it all. Well, I believe there is an overtaking. I believe the reaper is overtaking the sower and the, at the beginning of those days. But that doesn't mean that we all sit there and we say, we'll just pray, we we'll just pray, we we'll just pray. The Holy Spirit is doing stuff in people's lives, in homes and lives that we're going to hear about going forward. And we're like, wow, nobody was even there. But All these people are going to need to be discipled, and that's where we all come in. Unless people are willing to work, there will be no harvest. God can move by His Spirit, God can do something powerful, but if we're not there as the workers working with Him in this co-mission. See, God does the sovereign that we can't do, but then He anoints us to do the things He's called us to do. So He puts His Spirit in us to for that discipline. That's why God is getting the church's attention at this time. Not just ours, but the church at the time. Because overall, as the church, we haven't been available and willing in the way that God has wanted us to be and needs us to be for the scale of what He is speaking about and is going to be unfolding in these coming months and years. So are we prepared to work? For many, our time has changed. Our schedules have changed. But has our focus changed yet? Luke 5 verses 4 to 7. What happened in this story? Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, when Jesus had finished speaking to the crowds, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon's answer was, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So firstly, in in verse 4, he says here, put out into the deep water. One of the things God's been saying to us is, I want you to come deeper with me, deeper, deeper, deeper. It's in the deeper things of God that we find the deeper things of God released through us. God, what does He say to have a bigger catch? Go out into the deep. We, we can't play in the shallows any longer as the church and God wants to go out in the deep for a massive catch. Then what does it say? That the response, we've worked hard all night. Now, many of us could say, well, we've been sharing the gospel. We've done stuff for years and we haven't caught a lot or there might not have been a, as much as we've wanted to see. But our response in this moment, prophetically to what God is saying and doing is, Father, because you say so, we will respond. We will let down the nets. We'll make sure our lives are ready. We'll reach out. We'll invite. We'll contact. We'll do whatever it takes because you're releasing your spirit now, not for us, but for the harvest through us. Verse 6, when they had done so, when they let down the nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Come on! Wow, how many of you believe that? That God's going to go beyond, that that actually we're going to be like, God, there's so much, we're kind of, our nets are breaking, our nets are breaking. What did they then do? Verse 7, so they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. Don't you love that? Just see that in in your mind's eye right now. The amount of people giving their lives to Jesus, getting set free, starting to be discipled, that the amount of people, it begins to sink who we are. It begins to, what does that mean? And when I was praying about this, I felt the Lord say, this is the day that you are in when the sower overtakes the reaper, where I overtake your efforts and your lives truly become consumed with me and my purpose. That's what the early church looked like. They were consumed, they were devoted to. And I believe that the sower is beginning to overtake the reaper. We've heard that in some of the stats, the amount of people connecting in to churches at this moment around the nation. Many of us would say if there was a fresh release of the Spirit and God was at work, what's that going to look like? Churches would be fuller and this and that would be happening. Well, none of us knew it would happen when we couldn't meet together. Everybody's locked in their homes, but people are going to find God somewhere. There's so many Alphas online happening around the nation. Ours starts a week tomorrow, June the 1st. We've already got a whole number of people that want to join part of Alpha. Let's make the most of the opportunity. You might have a friend, a neighbour, a family, a work colleague. It doesn't matter where they live because it's online. They could be in another part of the world and they can connect in online with Alpha. Maybe invite them. Don't say no before they've had the opportunity to say, yes, actually, I wouldn't mind checking that out and and, and all of that. Who knows what happens when you say, hey, do you want to, have you heard about Alpha? Can I invite you? Who knows what the Holy Spirit does in that moment when it says, yeah, I'd like to be part of that. So what are we speaking about this morning? What the Father loves becomes what we love. He loves the world. He's loved the the world. He's loved the people of the world. He's already expressed His love through Jesus. The way Jesus lived, ministered, served and laid down His life. But then He's loved by sending His Holy Spirit on the Day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. He was loving the world still by doing that to empower those early believers to take His life to the world. Why? Because God loved, because He wanted to restore the world to Him. And God is pouring out His Spirit in a fresh way at this time. Why? Because God loved then and He still loves now. And He's empowering us with His Spirit to take His love and His life out to them. So what we've been talking about this morning, the Jesus life. This is the Jesus life. So this morning, what is our response this morning to the word? Our response this morning is, Jesus, get me ready. I'm available. Jesus, do whatever you want to do in me. Get me ready. He's already been doing that, but let him continue doing that. I'm available. I'm willing. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that there is such a passion in the heart of the Father for your creation, for your world and for the people that live and move and have their being on this world. We thank you, Father, that you want the people on this planet to live and move and have their being in you. And so, Father, this morning we just come ready and available to respond to You. Holy Spirit, continue to ready us. Maybe make that your prayer right now. Maybe you verbalize that yourself. Holy Spirit, continue to make me ready. Like Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you. Fishers of men, come follow me and I'll get you ready. I'll train you, equip you for harvest, for fruitfulness, for effectiveness to make a difference. So Holy Spirit, continue to work in me, get me ready. I don't know if any of you, whether you, if you've had a lot of space and time over the last few weeks, maybe without realising it, you might have got into a nice new lifestyle where you haven't had much to do. You might have had loads of time as a family and, you've had a lot, and, and some of that's been absolutely brilliant. But one thing we've got to be careful of is that we, we m- may become lethargic in that. Or, well, I don't really know if I want everything to go back to this or that or start up again in a different way, because actually I'm quite enjoying this. We want to make sure there isn't any kind of slumber there in the back of our minds or hearts. All of us, let's just say, God, we're available. We're ready, willing, continue to make us ready, continue to work and move in our hearts for everything you want to do. Maybe those of you that are being part of the meeting this morning You say, well, I don't know Jesus. You're talking like you, you, you came across quite passionate. Sounds like you believe what you're saying. It sounds like you're really into all this Jesus stuff. And, and while you've been speaking, I've just been kind of, my, my heart's been pounding. Uh, this stuff's been kicking off on the inside of me saying, wow, this, this is real, this is true. Something's been resonating in me saying, I want this life. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know God in the way that guy is talking about, like maybe others who know God that I know. Well, now could be a Kairos moment for you right now. The right moment, the right action in this moment to say, Jesus, I want to respond to you. Surrender everything and say yes to who you are. If you want to do that, simply where you are now, just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I surrender to you. Maybe now say, Jesus, forgive me as a sinner. Forgive me for every sin that has separated me from You. Jesus, I thank You for Your forgiveness. Jesus, I give my life, everything of who I am and that I have, I give myself to You now. And Jesus, I ask You, please give me, You, Yourself, Your life into me now. Thank You, Jesus. Father, I just thank You now for anybody responding like that, that You would move in their hearts and lives. Where they're asking You to come in, You would come in. Where they forgive, You forgive. I thank You, Jesus. Now, if you've responded in any way like that, that's what's going on in your heart this morning. Please get in touch with us, info at KingdomFaith.com. Info's on the screen there. Get in touch with us, email us, we'll get in touch with you. We want to help you move forward and take a next step. What does this mean? Where do I go now with this relationship with Jesus? You might have others in the room that you're in right now that know Jesus, maybe turn to them at the end of the meeting and say, hey, can you help me? What's my next step? I can take, how do I get to know Jesus more? I just want to pray for everybody now as well. So just receive as we pray. Father, we thank you for your healing grace. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your shalom. Father, I thank you for your power at work in our hearts and lives. Just command, sicknesses to leave people's bodies now, in the name of Jesus, right now. Father, I thank you. Where some people have been confused, I thank you for a sound mind right now. There's somebody that you you feel like just recently, your mind has been like a, a, a vice grip. We'll be free right now. God is freeing you, setting you free. Somebody else you've had a kidney condition, God's healing you now. He's just bringing healing into your kidneys. Somebody in your digestive system is healing you, is cleansing you, purifying you, some, some thing, irritation, something that's been going on, you're being healed right now. Somebody else in their bowels, you're being healed right now in Jesus' name. Somebody else with a bone disorder to do with the marrow in your bones. God is healing your marrow now. I don't know what that looks like, but He's doing it right now. Let us know. Send us in the Testament as the stories of what God's doing. God is doing stuff now that I'm not even saying. Why? Because He knows what you need is and He knows what He is doing. Father, I thank You for the release of Your healing grace in Your mighty name. Thank You, Lord. Father, I just speak a blessing over every marriage, every individual, every family, every home, Your goodness, Your abundance right now. And Father, we thank You, gracious, to live the Jesus life. And Father, I thank You in this next week, You would prepare us, You would prepare us and get us ready in the next seven days for a release of Your Spirit, not just in a moment for us to enjoy, but a re-empowering, a fresh release that sends us mandates us to go in a new way in this new era of time. Father, we praise your name. We exalt your name. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey guys, be really, really blessed. Have an amazing day. Have a brilliant week. See you Wednesday night at a prayer. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith Podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.